BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong, the weekly podcast hosted by myself, Mark Ellis, and Jacqueline Coley, who is on assignment this week. Jacqueline, I'm really bummed she's missing this episode because she, as she does coast to coast worldwide, she covers movies that are about to be released, and she got to do a number of interviews with one of the subjects uh, who made the movie that we're talking about today, but not just that movie. The three movies that this person has directed. We are talking about the movies of Jordan Peele. Get Out, Us, and now Nope. So Jacqueline was doing a lot of cast and crew interviews for Nope going up to its release. And I know it was a really exciting time for her. But now she's working on another project that hopefully we can tell you all about sooner rather than later. Some more pre-movie release interviews sort of stuff. So we'll get into all that. But today... In lieu of Jacqueline Coley, we have two of my favorite recurring, I'm going to call them champions of the show, Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong, and we're going to be talking about Get Out, Us, and Nope, just in context of the tomato meter, the audience score, how we feel about these movies when we saw them at the time, Nope is still pretty fresh in our minds and our hearts, and how we look back on that now, and so this is going to be a really fun trilogy of Jordan Peele movies. I hope we also have time to give some Key and Peele love, because it really is one of the landmark sketch shows of our lives. So let's get into the introductions here. First up is Fighting Out of Atlanta. You know her from the Pairweight YouTube channel that she created. She is one of my favorites for a number of reasons. Sharonda Williams is here. Sharonda, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited and scared at the same time. <laughs> it's 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 interesting because you and I we we last crossed paths at Star Wars Celebration, I believe. And so it was it was right at that time in the year where we're looking at summer movies and we're talking about what we're really excited about. And I know that Nope was both on like maybe our top five list of like, oh, we gotta see this movie. And so I'm excited to talk to you about this. And I also want to bring in our other panelist today who needs no introduction, but I'm contractually obligated to do it anyway. You know her from uh, being a correspondent from everything from E! to NBC to here at Rotten Tomatoes, red carpets all across the globe. And she's been to the Met Gala. She's been a she's been an actual guest at the Met Gala. She's walked the stairs, folks. It is the one, the only Miss Naz Perez. Good morning, Naz. I love when you say gala, first of all, because I call it the Met Gala. And no, I've never gone inside, Mark. I've only taken like a picture on the stairs. I wish I wish I was a guest at the Met Gala. That would be amazing. <laughs> well, let me ask you, Sharonda. Does I just it really matter? <laughs> does it matter if you get inside the Met uh, Gala? It, or does it, it's just the stairs pick is really all you need, right, Sharonda? It's just it's all on the stairs. It's just the stairs. <laughs> if you survive the stairs, that's all that matters. Because some, as we know from many means, they have not. 100%. So you're the winner. 
You're that winning. is true. I, I should have a shirt that says I survived the stairs at the Met Gala. <laughs> Mark Ellis. <laughs> I have I have Naz and Sharonda here who are wonderful. And at my feet is a one year old pug who is currently trying to chew all of my tech cords. And his name is the dude. So let me. Hey, dude, you're not tying the room together right now, Bob. Um, so let's get into the, the tomato meter and audience score with these three movies that we're talking about today. Get Out was such a, a, a cultural phenomenon. It was a landmark movie release and Jordan Peele's directorial debut back in 2017, 98% certified fresh on the tomato meter with an 86% as the audience score. And then Us was released in 2019. That's a 93% certified fresh, 60% audience score. You're noticing a trend here, and it continues with Nope earlier this year in July. 82% certified fresh. The audience score is currently 68%. What's so interesting about these three movies that I just listed is that usually, especially with like a horror sci-fi sort of tinge, you'll see the audience score be higher than the critics uh, saying on the tomato meter, but that's not the case with Get Out, Us, and Nope. So I'll start with you, Sharonda. Is Rotten Tomatoes wrong about any one of the three Jordan Peele-directed films that we've been treated to thus far? Oh, most definitely. No. Nope. <laughs> nope. No. Nah. Yeah. No. That We're definitely wrong on that one. It, you think it's too high? Yes. Very okay. Much, very much so. All right. You think Nope is too high. Can we get it into fresh territory in your mind, or are we going to be talking about a film that you think is rotten? Oh, I believe that it is rotten. As oh, rotten this is core. Yes. This is going to be good. Let's go to Naz Perez here. And you can stick with Nope like Sharana did, or you can talk about Us or Get Out. Is Rotten Tomatoes wrong about any of these three films? I actually think there are, it, Rotten Tomatoes is right about all three. I personally, though, loved the stories of Nope and Get Out over Us. So, like, if it was, like, my own personal ranking. Um, but I think Rotten Tomatoes is right. Like, the movies as a whole, like, I agree with all of those scores. Okay, yeah, and, and that's, a good, that's a good point you bring up about the ranking of the three because it kind of goes in order of release. Sharonda, do you agree with that, with that sort of ranking that Get Out is a little bit better than Us and then Get Out and Us better than Nope? Oh, yeah, most definitely. I agree with the ranking. Okay, good. Well, I, I just want to find some common ground that we have before the debate really sets in during movie talk. Because I mean, because I'm very fresh out of the theater seeing Nope, and there's just so much to discuss and think about. Regardless how you felt about the movie, I do love when you see a flick and it just it makes you want to talk about it with your friends that have seen it immediately afterwards. So before we get into that, let's go to one of my favorite segments because it gives me a break from talking. It is Tim Ryan, our expert review curation manager here at Rotten Tomatoes, is going to be telling us what the critics were saying at the time of the release of these three movies all the way back to 2017 and as recently as like, I don't know, a month ago. So it's time for Two Minutes with Tim. In a world where so many films can feel like they're made by algorithm, thank goodness that Jordan Peele is making big, bold, provocative, auteurist movies with ambition and ideas to spare. Here's a brief run through his work so far. Key and Peele, the TV series that helped bring him to prominence, has an overall score of 97% on the tomato meter and it has a 92% audience score. Get Out from 2017 is certified fresh at 98% on the tomato meter with 399 reviews and it has an 86% audience score. Us from 2019 is certified fresh at 93% with 554 reviews and it has a 60% audience score. 
Nope, released a few weeks back, is certified fresh at 82% with 316 reviews, and it has a 68% audience score. In addition, Peel also wrote, produced, and starred in Keanu, a 2016 comedy about a kidnapped cat, which is certified fresh at 78%. And he co-wrote and co-produced the 2021 Candyman, which is certified fresh at 84%. So what do the critics have to say about some of these films? In a fresh review for Us, Kofi Outlaw of ComicBook.com wrote, Us is Jordan Peele's proud and confident declaration that his talent and success is far from being a one-time fluke. There are few filmmakers who can so effectively create entire worlds in their own unique signature. However, in a rotten review for Nope, Craig D. Lindsay of Crooked Marquee wrote, While it is refreshing to see a filmmaker like Peele swing for the fences narrative-wise, it makes you wish studios would let more filmmakers take chances like that. Some of it just doesn't land. So that's a brief overview of Jordan Peele's career. And for the record, I want to say I have a particular fondness for the Key and Peele sketch that starts out as a chaotic freestyle rap battle and ends with echoes of John Steinbeck. I laughed and I seriously almost cried. Back to you, folks. That's a great call there, Tim, closing us out on his segment. Hopefully we get to talk about at least one of our favorite Key and, Spe- uh, Key and Peele sketches as we sort of wrap things up here on the show. But let's get into movie talk right now because there is a lot to discuss. Brian, hit the music. We have thoughts, we have opinions, and Naz, I want to start with you and then go to Sharonda. Not necessarily getting into the minutia of the films themselves yet, I just want to talk about Jordan Peele as a director of movies that are unique and singular and aren't part of a bigger franchise, but that we still get excited to go see in the theater. I thought it was really telling when I went to see Nope that the last trailer that aired, you know when you see the previews and then we're like, okay, we're, then we're done with previews and then they run like the, hey, uh, don't forget there's there's Coke in the lobby. And then they have one more trailer and it was for Oppenheimer, the movie coming out next summer directed by Christopher Nolan. And I really put Nolan and Peele on a short list that might just be those two, Naz, where you get excited because you're going to see a director even though no one did the Batman franchise. Now it's like more of these one-offs where it's a story that we're going to get immersed in and then it's not going to tie in with numerous sequels and prequels. I couldn't agree more. And I think a big uh, reason why we love Peel and Nolan films, because the common denominator there is cinematographer Hoyte Van Hoytema, who is just unreal. Um, so yeah, I, so what you, what was the question mark? <laughs> that was a that, that was a great pull. Well, it's just that I, I think Jordan Peele might be that guy for me at least, and I guess I'm curious as to whether he is that guy for you and Sharonda. As like, yeah. it doesn't matter what the movie is, what the premise is. All I need to see is his name under the director line on the poster, and I'm going to see it. A hundred percent. I think like for me, what really gets me going in life in general is novelty. Right. And there's a certain feeling you get when you go see a Jordan Peele movie. You know, you're going to be hit with novelty. You know, you're going to be hit with something beautiful, something you've never seen before. Characters that you like want to meet in real life. Not only is he an unbelievable director, he's also an amazing producer. He shines as an actor, a comedian, a writer. The fact that three of his films in a row, the fact that his directorial debut, he won original screenplay he won an Oscar for is like unreal. And the fact that his subsequent films after have all been fresh on the tomato meter, all in the high 80s and 90s is crazy. I think he's the king of the modern classic. 
I think he's giving audiences quality cinema that masses love. And I think that that is a really rare category to be in. I love that he's telling black stories. He's reinventing the horror genre. His films are artistically gripping. Not only are they like, oh my God, they are stunning visually to look at. Again, in part, I'll, we'll talk about Nope later in Hoite because I have so much to say about that. But he just truly is a visionary. And like you were saying, Mark, he is actually one of the most bankable original directors out there. Um, the first weekend in theaters that Nope came out, it got, I think, 44 million in the box office. And that was the biggest box office haul for any original movie since us in 2019. <laughs> so to me, I'm like, yes. He, he is so up there and is definitely one of the freshest directors in Hollywood right now. Yeah, and I'm glad you 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 made this sort of the horror sci-fi reference because Sharonda, it does feel like he is, and he's been compared to this, and I think it's unfair to compare him from an artistic standpoint to M. Night Shyamalan because it was just a different time when Shyamalan had The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable and Signs come out. But you do think about that trifecta versus this one, and it's like, man, you're, you're really impressing a lot of people. Is Jordan Peele still the guy for you, or was he ever that guy? I mean, I still believe in Jordan Peele, right? I mean, I think that we can have Every movie is not going to be a masterpiece. It's not going to be this great film. And I think that's fine. I think that's how you become a better creative. Um, I just think that I'm still going to stick in with Jordan Peele. Um, but I do want to see something in this next film that continues to remind us of that feeling that we had when Get Out first came out. Um, I think that, like you said, he's very bankable alone on his name. And especially in a time in the industry where we're like literally thirsting for fresh original ideas, he's one of the only creatives out there who are actually trying to find ways to push boundaries and to really push our minds. I mean, if you think about it, there's not a lot of films that you can go to the theater and literally feel like you're in school, like you have to do like a whole dissertation trying to break a movie down, like because that's what you want. You want to go to the movies to escape, to like go to another world, to push your mind to places that you never thought it could go. And I think that's one of the reasons why we love Jordan Peele, why we respect him so much. And that's why there are people who continuously have their butts and seats every single time, you know, he has a movie that's coming out. So I'm still, I'm still along for the Jordan Peele ride. I'm on the Jordan Peele train. I just, you know, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. It was a, it was a rocky ride for me compared to everybody else with no. Yeah, and, and I want to get into that a little later, but but we come here uh, not to bury Jordan, but to praise him because I, I want to start with some of the the moments that we really love from his movies. And if we're saying that all of our favorite movies is, is Get Out, then if if you say that was sort of the one that's like, oh, this is like the new director to watch, what was it about Get Out for you, Sharonda, that you said, oh, this is why I love this movie? And is there a particular scene that you can point to and you're like, that right there is when this movie got me. I mean, honestly, just the black perspective in itself. I think one of the reasons why Get Out was a, a film that stood out so much to me is it was it was a psychological thriller, psychological horror of what it means to be black in America, of the actual horror that we live day to day. That's why things are scary because you're just like, these are things that can actually happen. These are things that people actually experience every single day. And it was in a way that everyone could kind of relate or at least understand what it felt like for Daniel Kaluuya's character and how that might resonate with people in America right now. And it's one of the ways that you take something, especially when we're in such a divisive uh, society right now, 
where you can see how these things can lead to more horrific paths. And I think that's why people really just was drawn to it because as a black person, this is my life. But also too, and if you think at uh, Laurel, you know, his moment <laughs> on screen, you're just like, that is how I would think in this movie. The comments that are made, the passive aggressive comments that are made, like this is stuff that people say in real life. And so he took away to take everyday life and some of the horrors or the thoughts that we have, the crazy, the crazy scenarios that we can come up with in our mind. And he found a way to bring that into a movie that not only engaged all audiences, no matter what your background was, but he was able to pay homage to the reasons on why we like horror films, why we like psychological thrillers. And it was just something that we hadn't seen in so long. And honestly, for me, I never thought that we would be able to see a horror film led by a Black lead that could generate masses from all different demographics. I thought that that was really exceptional. Um, and that's why I fell in love with Jordan Peele. But I do want to say that Keanu walked, so get out. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Keanu, well, Keanu was, so, I had such a great time in the theater watching Keanu too. And, and you know, I'm, I'm glad you bring up the, the cultural perspective that Get Out showed, not just because it, it's portraying a, a society of white people. And I guess my favorite part of Get Out is that is the scene it didn't have or the character it didn't have, which is the, the white savior, quote unquote, where you, you would always think that, oh, there's got to be at least one good white person here who's trying to buck the system, right? No, they're all inundated with whatever is going on at the Armitage Ranch. And it's all bad stuff. And if you think that that's extreme, then you can go back and look at myriad movies in the past and see either if there is a minority character at all, then they're just doing something that is very surface level and, and is more of a stereotype than anything else. And so Naz, when we see Get Out and we see even the things that, that the white folks say to try to make them relatable, when they say that I would have voted for Obama for a third term or I love Tiger talking about golf. It's like, this is exactly, you're, the, the, Jordan Peele did a great job of putting even me as a white person in, in the shoes of someone who feels very like it, very much like an outcast from everyone else. Well, I think that's why Get Out was such a statement, right? Because I think the messaging there that that is so true is that white liberals sometimes think they're doing like the best work and that they're allies. <laughs> and and in doing that, don't realize that they actually sometimes cause the, the most damage, I think. And I that's what I took from that movie. And that's what I found what was like such a profound message along with everything both of you guys are saying. Like it was entertaining. It was new, the sunken place, like to create, to create like such a world and tell such a profound and just like, I don't know, just leave audiences with such a profound message. And I don't know. I just, I think like when the trailer came out, I was like, wow, this movie's going to be so good. But I didn't know that I was going to walk out of the theater, like watching one of the best scripts of the 21st century. You know what I yeah. mean? And, and, and his titles even like get out and nope in particular, it, it cuts, it cuts all the fat. It's just like, no, this is exactly how you're going to feel in this movie, like if you're in that situation, nope, I'm getting out. Or you say, you say nope, you, you see something hovering overhead, nope, I'm out. And with Get Out, did you? Let me ask you this, and I'll start with you, Sharonda, just because we are going to spoil even even nope, we're going to get into spoiler territory there. So uh, fair warning. But 
if you watch Get Out, I am the last guy to ever see the twist come. And so I still thought right up until the last moment that his girlfriend, Allison Williams, was going to like be good and, and like, like, try to rebel against the crazy thing the parents were doing. Did y'all see that coming before I did? I'll start with you, Sharonda. Did I see her still being evil? It, it, did I? Yeah. Yeah. Like her being part of this indoctrinated culture. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I mean, and that's one of the things like I, I think that's another reason why I love the film. Right. It, it never tries, like you said, to have a white savior. It never tries to be like this person's going to right this wrong. It's just it just is. These are bad people and they're going to stay bad people. But I think but you root for the you root for Daniel's character and you're also excited when he actually gets to win. And that's where the fantasy portion of it, like, you know, horror is still some type of fantasy. But that's when that was the fantasy portion for me, because we saw from the deleted scene of what was supposed to happen with his character mm-hmm. actually going to jail, that that's that's our reality. So I think right. that's why it was like in this film, like we actually get to win. We get to keep our lives like we get we get justice in some way, shape or form. And that's one of the things that I loved about this film. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Yeah, and and Naz, you make the point that you can really watch a movie that Jordan Peele does on multiple levels because you can simply go for the entertainment value. And it, Lil Rel is so necessary in that movie just because <laughs> there's so much heavy stuff going on. We need some levity. Like you, you, you take his quips and you juxtapose that with the scene where the maid is trying to force something out of her to warn Daniel Kaluuya and all she can get is that single tear. It, it's a dynamite combination. No, it's it's honestly, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> and the fact that you brought up Allison Williams's character, I really like that you brought that up because for me, Mark, that was like one of the scariest. That was for me, like to like the pit drop in my stomach that happened when she's like, you know, I can't give you the car keys, right? I was like, <gasps> oh yeah, that's I was the, like, yep. to this moment, that was I was like, oh, f u c k, like it was it was chilling. Oh, Give me those keys. Rose, no! No, the keys! Oh, be careful, bro. What the fuck? I didn't do anything. What the fuck is going on? Where are those keys, Rose? You know I can't give you the keys, right, babe? Yeah, the, the only thing that I can say that's negative against Get Out is that it makes Meet the Parents seem very low stakes. Because you you take meeting the Armitages and then you go back and watch Meet the Parents. You're like, oh, no, they're, they're, they just really care about their kid. That, that's all it is. This isn't hard. Ben Stiller's not going through anything like what Daniel Kaluuya went through. It's, it's, the, it's the worst case scenario when you're meeting your significant other's parents and then you really find out who your significant other actually is. So get out. I, I think it's the top for all of us in the 98% certified fresh in the tomato meter indicates that with the critics as well. Let's get into this. Nope. Let's get into this stuff. Because, again, I'm so fresh out of the movie. And, Sharonda, I'm curious for you because the thing that I've seen with a lot of film reviewers is when they're going back and forth with people on Twitter, they have their opinion. And then you you see this phrase more often than not, and it's you need to see the movie again. And 
I saw the movie once and I think I got some of the messaging, but I was really entertained throughout it as well. Is this a film that in your eyes you'd think you need to see again to get more of it? Or are you just, you, you saw the movie, it is what it is, and we're making too much of this? I mean, I've actually seen the movie twice. So I saw it back to back two days in a row. And the viewing, I still felt the same at the end of the movie. I will say it was fun to watch the second time because the Anytime you're watching a Jordan Peele movie for the first time, you're anticipating, like, what's the catch? What's the twist? Like, what's happening? So then I can just go back and watch this movie all over again and then see if I saw the signs. But I think that's why the first watch of Nope is entertaining, because you're trying to figure out, like, what is happening? What is this thing that is happening to everyone? What is the catch going to be? What is that fresh twist going to be? But the second time watching it, it was fun to actually pick up on the cues that we had from literally in the first scene of the film. But it didn't change my viewing experience. And if anything, the pacing became worse in the second viewing because you kind of know when something's going to amp up and when it's not. So I don't think you should ever have to watch a movie more than one time to get it. I think that you could always watch movies over and over again to find more symbolism, to find more little nuggets of wisdom like that was, you know, lodged in between the different scenes or in the dialogue. But we need to get out of this. You need to watch the movie twice or you miss the point or you just you don't understand cinema. These are all lines that I've got from my (laughs) negative. But it's just a lot of people and I'm going to get off my little little rant, but I think that the reason I'm comparing this to Get Out, Get Out was great and is considered a masterpiece because it's very straightforward. It's nothing that you ever really have to think about. It's really more of an enlightening film because they take everyday things that we do every single day, things that we say to people or joke about, and they kind of throw it in your face to self-reflect. And I think where, as we've seen the audience score go down on Jordan Peele films is when with the start of us and now most recently with Nope is very cerebral. Like you really have to sit and think and ponder and really digest what you watch. And I think right now where we are as a country, I think a lot of people just want to go watch a movie, understand like clear point blank, what is it actually about? And like get emotion from us, horror, make us scared and let us go home. And a lot of people, I think with Nope, the disconnect is, is that, I think it was too much thought and there were little things like character development, like actually fleshing out these characters so we can fully connect with them and connect with the themes that Jordan was trying to give to the audience. And I think that's what we're missing is just the basics. Everything doesn't have to be this like dissertation that we have to break down after every movie we see. Like sometimes we just want to be scared. We want to laugh. We want to be fearful. We want to have a heart attack watching it. And, and that's it. And I just think with Nope, we missed that feeling. It's, it was too much of reading in between the lines instead of actually having time to enjoy what's happened, what's taking place and unfolding before our eyes. And you that's know, it, the it, wrong it, it, it sounds similar, Naz, to, to some of the criticism that I heard uh, Neil Blomkamp movies get after District 9 because that came out and was, and was such a, a critical darling. And then you had 
uh, Elysium and you had Chappie where it almost felt, I, I guess, too heavy handed leaning into the social commentary aspect of it and the movies forgot to be entertaining. I still loved Elysium. Uh, Chappie, I, I was very lukewarm on. But do you see Nope as a movie that you can just go be entertained by? Or do you feel like did you also see the the commentary of it maybe intruding upon your enjoyment of the film? I <clears throat> I'm trying to work through everything I feel right now because my mind's working a million <laughs> miles a minute because Sharonda, I think I agree with some of the points you're making, but I also like disagree. I feel like out of the three movies, us is the one movie. And I think most people can agree that you're just like, well, what did that actually mean? <laughs> Does it actually mean that I'm my worst enemy? Or we just, you know, I, I know the hands across America thing, but I think that one was the most like, wait, what is the meaning here? And I think the reason why we love Jordan Peele films is because they are thought provoking. I think that people are getting smarter. I think, I think we do want, I think most people do want to leave the theater. And like Mark was saying at the top of the podcast, what's so exciting about his movies is the water cooler talk after. And that's why he makes it so fun to go to the theater because you're like, oh my God, what did you think? What did you think? What do you think this means? And I actually thought that nope, out of all three of them, was Jordan Peele making a straight up American UFO story with people of color at the center, which I think was huge. He made Jaws for people of color, which just was never was something that he loved Spielberg. He wanted to be the next Tim Burton and he never had that growing up. And that's all he wanted to make. And of course, yes, there's there there is more nuance in um, what he was trying to say in the film that I got that maybe not everyone received. But I, I absolutely loved Nope. Nope is my favorite, actually, out of all the three. Oh, wow. I, okay. Yeah, it is because it, it has so much of what Naz loves in it. I love animals. <laughs> I love UFOs. I love aliens. I love 80s, 90s style. I love 90s sitcom. I love Hollywood. I love filmmaking. I love Western vibes and vistas. I love young, fun characters that you can relate to. And it was like a whole mix of all of that. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I just wanted an alien UFO movie. And and the, my favorite part of Nope, because the one thing I did agree that you said, Tronda, was like the character development wasn't fleshed out. And um, I think, yes, I think if the siblings were fleshed out a little bit more, we could have like took to them. And I think most people could agree that Stephen Young's story was actually like the most evolved. But that five minute long short film, Gordy, in the middle of a film was <laughs> so epic it was horrifying it was chilling it was terrifying it was touching and i so rarely feel those two emotions at the same time like terrifying and touching i think most people can agree that like we wanted to see more of that and like i would definitely just watch like a gordy movie a thousand percent but i think ultimately i i love nature i love animals so this is a very personal specific opinion on the film and the reason why i loved it is is hollywood sort of the this overall arching theme of of, you know, the lengths that Hollywood's willing to go to for spectacle and like how our relationship with wild animals as humans should be a mutual decision and how very often it's not, you know, how they were trying to make money off the horses, how Stephen Yun, you know, was making money off Gordy and how he didn't learn his lesson and try to use the alien UFO again for spectacle and for money and how it was all about trying to get the shot. And it was just so, I don't know. I was like, God, this is so smart and such a funny, cool, stunningly visual way of telling this story through like a black lens. I think it's interesting because a lot of what you said, I thought like there's a lot of reason why people liked it. 
And one of the things that I noticed in the reactions to the movie is people was like, oh, it's like Jaws. It's like Close Encounters. It's like Signs. And I was just like, but everyone, yes, I think it, I think that his films, like you see his inspirations, you see who inspired him to love films. But I think the problem that I'm having, starting to have, and it started with Nope, is I don't know what Jordan's voice is anymore. Like, I know the things that have influenced him. I know the creators that he loves, but I don't know specifically what he is trying to say and what his voice is going to be and how his voice is going to be something that inspires other people. And I think that with Nope, if we just get back to like, if we look at basic filmmaking, one of the biggest questions, Gordy is like something that everyone was just like, wait, but I want to know more about what happened with Gordy. <laughs> and even with Steven Yeun, I was like, he was criminally underutilized. He literally had the best backstory. And it was just never like they showed it to us. And I was like, ooh, this is going to be good. We're going to tie back into this. I'm trying to figure out what's going on with my home Gordy. And then it just <laughs> never did anything with it. Even with the character development between the siblings, mm-hmm. it's just, I understand the idea of spectacle. And that's what sells this movie. It's entertaining to watch. You're along for the ride. You want to know what's going to happen. Like, so I think Jordan continues to know how to engage his audience before a movie comes out with the marketing that they do on how to engage people. And I think Hollywood should take note from that. Less is always more. The less I know about something, the more exciting it is watching mm-hmm. it unfold in the theater. But I don't feel as though, I think that this is, I think we're starting to give more credit to creators. Like if you go back to the Get Out disc, uh, the Get Out, all the themes and stuff. And I remember there was an interview someone did with Jordan Peele and they were like, oh, so like, were you talking about this? Like, was this the social commentary about this? And he was like, nah, like, uh, that's not but that's not what I was trying to say. Mm-hmm. And I think that I almost feel with Nope, I think that other people's theories are actually sound more cool. Like what you're describing to me sounds amazing. Like you got me excited. And what <laughs> but yeah. when I go into the theater, I'm just like, I don't see this. That's like, a, I, it, yeah. But isn't that's what, isn't that, isn't that what is so cool about art though? And like, I think you bring up such a wonderful conversation on, do we need, does he need to have a distinct voice or can he paint with all colors of the rainbow? Like I, I love Picasso's question. blue period, you know, but I also love his earlier stuff. Yeah, because I, I feel like Nope, more so than Get Out and Us is a movie where you are going to you're going to bring your own stuff into that movie and you're going to leave with whatever interpretation you had. And I think that, that, that it's perfectly left looser than that, because I've seen it compared to everything from animal rights activism to 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 a, being a metaphor for Hollywood itself. And and that's kind of what I took from it just on the initial viewing is if you look up at this thing, then you're going to get sucked into it. And so it's almost like if you're chasing fame, then the machine is going to suck you up. But if you just keep your head down literally and keep doing your work, then that might be more of a benefit in the long run is what I took from it. But I feel like, again, get out is like, hey, this is what we're talking about. Us, I, I think Naz made the point. It's it. You might be your own worst enemy and there might be a, a weirder you that's living underground for Topher Grace. That person is me. Um, <laughs> that's hilarious. And 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 yeah, so I think Nope is it's the, the only person, though, that I that to Sharada's point that I felt like was 
was sort of a fleshed out character that I was like, this is a real person and not like a metaphor for something was Kiki Palmer's character, just because she brought such a, an enthusiasm to the and and you know when you have the sibling dynamic you always have that sibling i might be that sibling that my other two siblings talk about like that but it's where you just have all this energy and this zest for life and it it's it's a nice foil to your your older brother who is just very you know low-key and reserved so i i liked the 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 way that those two work together but you know to your point sharonda i feel like nope when you look at the discourse of it, I do like what you're saying that you don't necessarily, you shouldn't have to go see a movie three times to to get it. And I'm just curious for for you, do you think that that Nope was as entertaining the second time? Like, did you still see the entertainment value in it, or and can you just watch it on that level and find enjoyment of it? I think for the first watch is entertaining. I don't I didn't feel that for the second time. You know what I mean? I was more entertained about seeing how those around me were reacting to it. You know what I mean? Um, But I think that I was able to be even more critical about it the second time because there's some interesting concepts that are introduced, especially with the characters, even breaking down that that father daughter dynamic, you know, when when Kiki's character tells that story about how he wouldn't even look up at her like he wouldn't even him chasing, chasing this money, chasing Hollywood, like you couldn't even pay attention to your child. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then the importance of how her brother, what we think is sacrificing and seeing her and sacrificing himself so she can get out, right? But I wanted to learn more about those dynamics. I wanted to learn more about why is Daniel Kaluuya's character so like closed off to the world? Like what was that upbringing like? They show a picture of their mother, like what happened to their mother? Like there's a lot of questions that I still have about these characters that will help me understand why they do the things that they do, why they behave the way that they behave. And even with Steven's character, like, you know, him really just pushing, really blocking out this traumatic thing that happened to him, just in instead using the fame that he received from going through this terrible childhood trauma and just totally missing the point of how, I mean, which leads to his death. But that's a whole different story. I just think if I ask anybody who says that they love it, hey, what's the plot of the movie? When <laughs> 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 I ask these questions, they're like, I mean, you got a point there. Like, yeah, I don't know what was happening. Like, I wish we would have gotten more things about that. But I think, hey, but that's another thing. Shout out to Jordan Peele because everyone just loves the spectacle of what he brings to us that no one asks these just minor like plot details, character details. Like somebody tell me what was I supposed to get from that? I just don't think the movie has anything to say outside of spectacle. I just don't think it has anything deeper to say and how the characters relate to that spectacle or how they relate to the idea of when the spectacle like becomes bigger than who we are as people. I, I don't know that the movie necessarily has more to say. Or like everyone in my comment section, I missed the point. I don't know. Yeah. Any- <laughs> well, sure, what what did you think about like the the mention? I know it wasn't a huge plot point, but the horse in motion and how, you know, there's so many black people who have contributed to like Hollywood who were never credited and and we don't even know about them. Like, I feel like that was also like he always sort of tries like, I love the lens that he, like, tells black stories through, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Because I, I had no idea about that. Yeah, I feel like we got an education. I always feel that way walking out of his movies. I, I don't know if I felt that way with us. I feel like 
The second act of us was my favorite when it like wasn't deep actually. and was just horror and comedy, <laughs> but from get out and nope, which is why I think I love them the most. I do leave feeling with like a more, with like a larger perspective on things. I mean, I think that if that would have been a bigger like tie in, like the- a larger. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's kind of like, yeah, we're going to hit you with some facts in the beginning, but like we never really come back to that. And I don't know if even at the end, the fact that, when the the news crew shows up and Kiki's the one that's going to be the one to go talk to them or whatnot, like that is going to be like the black people survive this terrible experience, right? That people are, I don't know if that could, and once again, that could be me just making something more into what it was supposed to be. And I I think that's where I get kind of weary right now because sometimes I just think that we are giving cool ideas and cool backstories, but I don't know if that was necessarily the intent. I think that we do the we do films a little bit more favors than we should by finding ways to make sense of something that really wasn't there in the movie. Let me let me ask you all this. So one of the scenes that I really enjoyed in Nope was the the total it's the proverbial horror movie. What's that noise? Oh, it's just a cat. Where Kaluuya is in the barn and it, there, there's something wonky with the power, and then oh, the, he sees the alien fake out. These creepy little aliens, yeah. and I was like, <laughs> so "What good. is going on?" And then it's just like the kids. It literally is th- that Jaws thing where it's just the kids swimming around with the fake fin, trying to scare everybody. Yeah. Naz Sharonda, did you all think that was an actual alien, or were you like, "No, this is too early in the movie for this"? I thought it was an actual alien because I'm the most <laughs> gullible. I am the most gullible, easy to please. Sharonda, something you should know about me. I love rotten movies. Like I, I just, I love, and you know what's so funny how you, you've been mentioning seeing the movie a second time. My immediate thought was like, I cannot wait to watch that at home while I'm high again. Like I, I had so much fun watching Nope. And yes, Mark, that was like, to me, that was one of the funniest moments The alien fake out the funniest moment to me in the whole movie though. I, I, maybe you guys can, cause you guys have seen it recently. And cause I saw it a while ago now and Sharonda, I know you've seen it twice and I don't remember exactly what Kiki says, but when Holst, the cinematographer like agrees to help them and she goes to Daniel and she's like, didn't I tell you we were going to find the best cinematographer? And then they like clap hands. Oh, yeah. yeah. I laughed so hard. I don't, what does she say in that moment again? I just thought it was so funny because it was so real and grounded and authentic and like how two people trying to get this shot and trying to make it happen would feel. And it just really put me in the movie. It's the five high fives, the boom, boom, boom. Yes. Yeah. It's like a black, I like black people get so we get so excited about the smallest thing. Exactly. That's what it was. It was like seeing that black <laughs> joy on screen, you know, and just it, it was so funny. I think the car when he locks it, when he like when he looks like he about to get out, I was like, I know you're not gonna get out of this car. <laughs> then when he looked and then he like locks the door. I'm like, baby, what is locking the door for to do with a whole spaceship or whatever? <laughs> that's I don't hilarious. know what that's about to do. But yeah. I mean, there's great moments. Yeah, it's it's great fun moments. Like I laughs, Kiki. Like how can you not laugh when Kiki just spreads joy? She should literally get a Nobel Peace Prize, like for spreading joy Aww. to everyone. But that I mean, is that is such a great call. Like we we give great performers Oscars. Kiki Palmer deserves a Nobel Peace, Peace Prize. Prize. <laughs> she really she really does. Like, she she's such a leading lady. And if this movie proved anything, it's that she. She is a lead, yeah. you know, and she captivates. And I just can't wait to see her do more and more and more because she is the most charming in this film. Like you can't just help but love her. But I think that's the see. 
everyone gives Jordan Peele flack because he said they were like Jordan Peele said he would never cast the white lead in his <laughs> movies. But and that's the thing, like you know, even with the Kiki Palmer discourse that we've had on social media, because it's crazy to me that people are just now discovering Kiki because mm-hmm. like. My girl was like one of the first black people, black women with like a dis like a Nickelodeon show or Disney mm-hmm. show. Like she's been doing music, she's been starting TV shows, she hosted a talk show. Like she's been in all these things since she was a kid, but people are just now starting to notice her. And I think that's why it's so this these are the moments when we talk about representation because there's so many other talented people, but you just continue to see the same mm-hmm. complexion the same type of actors who get to do every single movie. And I think this is why it's important for us to have creatives of color, to have people in the boardrooms that are people of color, because it's just, we're laser focused on either the the white male lead or the white female lead. And it's just crazy because we're missing out on all this talent. Like if, if Daniel Kaluuya was not in Get Out, he right. would not be... Academy Award winning actor right now. Like, really think about that. Because I we've seen him, he was in some, he was, what is that, the show that he was on that everyone's like famous now? It was like this like YA type of show. He was also in Black Mirror. But it's like, mm-hmm. without Get Out, if Get Out never happened, I do not think that we would know the talent that Daniel has. And that's what really makes me sad. And I feel like those are the stories that we have to tell, like, you have to put it like that. And I know that sounds crazy. Like, Sharon, what are you talking about? Without Get Out, he wouldn't be an Oscar winner. But it's the truth. It's, it's the opportunity. I, it's yeah. setting yourself up for the opportunity. And and if you don't have a, a a sort of a comet hit, like what Get Out was in 2017, it create it's a great movie, but it also creates a wellspring of opportunity. And that's what studios look to capitalize on. They're, they're in this to make money. They're not in this to make art. They're in this to make money. And when you see that you have a director like Jordan Peele, who's made this immense profit off of a movie and gained so much clout and critical praise then you do say okay well let's see what 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 other stories are there that we're missing before and that's why a movie like get out is so important Mm -hmm. and i was just gonna say that's why it goes back to why i feel jordan peele is one of the freshest directors because he champions fresh voices like you were just saying and that is also why i love nope and i think nope is essential and we need just a regular American UFO story with people of color at the center. And the fact that he made that and that, you know, little kids are going to see that like and that's the summer blockbuster for them. Like that's it's just it's so much beyond the box office and art in this podcast, you know? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you this. If I had seen Nope when I was a kid, it would have been the same thing as it was when I saw the movie Fire in the Sky when I was a little kid. I went out to the woods and my buddies and I were building forts and like shining flashlights into the sky. We were looking for life on other planets. I'm not sure if the double D batteries went that far, but uh, d- double D. No, that's a bra size. Um, I'll work <laughs> on that. That's double A batteries. Double I was thinking D, nine volt. Bra- there are D batteries, though out there, there are new batteries. I yeah. believe yeah. my my, my uh, unwitting miss swing and a miss on battery sizes <laughs> ironically leads us to one of the last points I want to make here on the show is that Jordan Peele is obviously comes from a very comedic background and has had tremendous success with Key and Peele when we see his movies there's there's always going to be suspense and, and horror and sci-fi and, and possibly messages to be taken away but you get great comedy as well you get amazing comedic moments, even within the context of a scary movie. So I would point to us as one of my favorite combos of the two. Winston Duke's scene 
where he's just trying to be the tough guy and he's got the yeah. baseball bat and he's outside yelling, <laughs> if you want to get crazy, let's get crazy. That's an all-time highlight for me as far as how you can marry horror and comedy, not just in the same movie, but within the same scene. Now, I thought I already done told y'all to get off my property, okay? So if y'all want to get crazy, we can get crazy. Now, the cops are already on their way. Hey, 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 hey! Naz, Sharonda, do y'all have a scene that Jordan Peele's directed that you say that's great comedy, even if we're being scared at the same time? I mean, the end of Get Out, when like you literally think that Daniel's character is like about to meet his demise, and then you just see his yeah. friend. I mean, even the phone calls, because literally those phone calls, like when he's telling like, man, like, what are you doing? Like, that's <laughs> what your friend would tell you. That's what you're screaming at the yelling at the theater screen at that time is it's those like little outburst moments where you like kind of bring in real life like what you're thinking is actually what's being said on the screen that's hilarious to me he's different no shit why is he dressed like that it's not that it's everything he came to the party with a white woman like 30 years old now sex slave oh shit chris you gotta get the fuck up out of there man you in some high wide shut situation leave motherfucker no you gonna be a hello, Chris? Oh, oh shit! His battery must be fucking down. Comedy and horror—they're really the same to me because you go to horror movies, especially the bad ones. You go to laugh when someone mm-hmm. falls. Like you wait for the person to trip and fall out of nowhere when the killer is about to like get to them. Like those are the things that like make horror movies fun. Everyone laughing in the audience, someone getting scared, and people laughing at them being scared. I feel like horror and comedy are really one in the same. Too. That's the best, Naz, is is I love seeing a horror movie where everybody gets scared. And then two seconds later in a packed theater, everybody's laughing, not because there's a joke necessarily, but because we're all laughing at each other for just getting that freaked we're out. laughing. Yeah, I I'm with you guys. Like to me, comedy is horror. Like I laughed I and I have such a horror, like dark sense of humor, but <laughs> in Nope. When this was such a random moment, too, which is like, I don't it was kind of unnecessary, but I thought it was so funny when Stephen Young sort of like reveals the horse and we see the audience and his old co-stars in the audience and her face is all messed up. And she has that hat on. I was like, why is she here? I was like, why is she here? And I laughed out loud because her face is messed up. And then even Hulse, the cinematographer, like just because, you know, like he was so into Hollywood and then he just wants to get taken in because, you know, like I thought that was so funny. You made me so mad. I was so mad in that scene. I said, no, sir. You put the camera down. I thought he was going to throw the camera down so they could get the film. I was like, okay, kid, I, I take it you're sick. You were taking pills. Like, yeah. you just sacrificed yourself and, and just throw. I thought he was going to be like, here, guys. Like, yeah. okay, but here's the footage. And I was yeah. just like, what? what I just, even I, when I the horse it. fell, in, when he was in the car and that, ho- you know, like the carnival, whatever horse, yeah. like, fell on the track, like, died laughing. And the whole Fry's electronics of it all, like this disgruntled retail worker, you know, I love electronic stores that made it feel really nostalgic for me and like put me back in time, um, which is and why that's I a hate- real thing outside fries is yeah. is fries really does have that UFO. You can go to the one in Burbank, I think it and and it really does have it looks like a UFO crash there. Yes. And so, I mean, that's just that's manna 
from the filmmaking gods for Jordan Peele to be like, oh yeah, yeah we definitely got to go to Fry's. Yeah, and it was so genius to like include it and like all that stuff makes me laugh, you know? Like it, it's so, it's so good. Uh, wrapping things up here. First of all, I was just told, uh, and when I say just told, I meant I actually read the show notes that our incredible producers, Brian and Lucy, put together for us. The guy who's the cinematographer, Michael Wincott, was also Guy of Gisborne in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And I am so upset that I didn't put those two together when I was watching the movie. Guy of Gisborne lives, at least for the moment, because then he got sucked into the huge monster. Getting that last shot, getting it, finally achieving his dream and also his demise at the same minute. But as we close up the, the conversation here around Jordan Peele, the director, I have to ask, just for my comedic sensibilities, I love Key and Peele. I don't know that there's a bad sketch in any of those episodes. Is there a Key and Peele sketch that stands out to either one of y'all? I still like the Obama, like shaking people's hands, like deciding, because like the way that you can put any meaning to that, like you can, <laughs> yeah. it relates to so many different things. Even during COVID now, I feel like you can still relate that meme right now. But I just think that I really, that's what st stands out to me when I think about Key and Peele is that whole skit. Yeah, and I, I love the... Yeah, go, go ahead and ask. No, sorry. I was just going to say, I don't even know if Jordan's in. I like substitute teacher. I love when he is like the substitute teacher and he like <laughs> teaches people how to say like names. I don't know. I thought it was so good. It's, it's the, the names is what kills me with as a sports fan as well. It's the the, the football sketch where it's just the, the different names. And the backstory to that is that uh, Michael, uh, uh, Keegan-Michael Key is, is by far the bigger sports fan of the two. And Jordan Peele came into their office one day after watching Monday Night Football. And he's like, yeah, there's this guy, uh, DeBrickishaw Ferguson, I think is who he was looking at. And so they started taking that. And DeBrickishaw Ferguson was a great edge rusher. And so they, they start taking that name. Then they start playing with it more. And that's how you get the, the, the more and more outlandish names. And the way that they perform it is just so pitch perfect. Every sports fan can put that sketch on and you're just you're, you're on the floor within seconds. They really comedic geniuses who now one of whom happens to be um, an accomplished director who's made three his first three movies have all done over a hundred million dollars. And that is that, that's rarefied air to be a part of. So the movies of Jordan Peele uh, get out 98 percent us 93 percent and nope as of now 82 percent all fresh on the tomato meter. So we're going to move to our closing. I mean, I get Brian, do we have music for that? Or do we just end? We don't have time for a mailbag today, so we just get to spend a little more, more time with Sharonda and Naz. Thank you both for being here today. Uh, Sharonda, I hope we get to see each other in person again sooner rather than later. Where can all the kids find you uh, and all the stuff you're working on with Pay or Wait? And do you have a recommendation for everybody out there? Could be a movie coming up, could be a streaming show that you're currently enjoying. What does Sharonda have for us? What do I have? Well, first, you can find me on social media and especially YouTube at Pay or Wait. Um, you know, since you started talking about sports, I've actually been trying to educate myself on sports. And so I have been watching a Netflix series called Untold. Yes. There is a documentary coming out about you would think because I watched like a whole two hours of this and I still can't remember his name. You remember the kid from Notre Dame with the catfishing scandal? Mon uh, uh, Monte Teo, yeah. Yes. The linebacker. Okay, mm -hmm. if you don't know nothing about Manti sports, like, 
if you don't know anything like sports like me and you were living under a rock during this entire mm-hmm. video, you're going to get your everlasting life. It is going to be catfishing happening. It's going to be a little bit of sports, but that doesn't matter. It's a lot of mess and drama and what I live for. And you're going to be educated at the same time. And you might- yeah, I, I, I can't wait to check that out. And honestly, the less you know about it, I think the more you're going to be riveted and entertained with yeah. the twists and turns. And just thinking back to that season and watching all of that madness unfold, because again, Manti Teo, just, he's just there playing linebacker for Notre Dame. And then all this stuff is sort of happening at him out of his control. So great, great recommendation there. Uh, Naz, you're always doing wonderful things. Even if you're just walking upstairs and not actually getting into a venue, <laughs> you still shine uh, coast to coast. Where can everybody find Thanks, the stuff Mark. you're working on? And uh, 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 you got a streaming show? You got a movie you want to tout? Um, yeah. So you guys can find me on Instagram at Naz Perez or on TikTok at Naz Interviews. And I am just loving this fourth season of what we do in the shadows. I don't think people talk about what we do in the shadows enough. I think it is the most brilliant comedy on television for vampires that live together in Staten Island, like produced by Taika Waititi. In this season, they like start a nightclub. There's like a vampire rapper. There's like a baby. Like it is so hilarious and well done. And Nandor's kind of like a bachelor this season. <laughs> or like he's like looking for love. And just it is so outrageous that you can't help but laugh out loud. I think it's one of the best shows on TV right now. And I get so excited um, every week when it comes out. Yeah, and, and you talk about the marriage of horror and comedy. This one, a horror exactly. base, but it's. I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to think like if I'm making a a shake that is that is going to be what we do in the shadows. It's just a little bit of protein powder and then just a bunch of fun stuff in there. I'm putting cereal. Yeah. I'm putting some almond butter in there, and uh, yeah, it really is. I haven't seen this season, but I mean, again, the the, the name Jackie Daytona alone should keep everybody yeah. coming back for more. Yes, yes, and we have. I actually interviewed. Um, Matthew Barry about Jackie Daytona on RottenTomatoes.com. So you guys should check that out. But it's it's so good. Uh, and thank you for steering everybody towards Rotten Tomatoes. RottenTomatoes.com is your hub for all the latest and greatest in the world of TV, movies, and everything in between. You can email us uh, whether you have thoughts about this episode, previous episodes, or you just have a movie, a show that you think we need to cover on Rotten Tomatoes is wrong because it's been done an injustice by the tomato meter. Hit us up at RTIsWrong at RottenTomatoes.com. And so with that, it is my honor to say that next week, oh boy, this is going to be fun. We're ranking the Star Wars TV series. Not going to be any hot takes. Whoa, Clone Wars. Yes, not going to be any, any arguing in that episode whatsoever. So stay tuned for that next Ah, week. For everybody here at uh, the Great Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong Endeavor. I am the least crucial part of the operation, but I will tell you that I have upcoming tour dates this fall at markellis.live, kicking off with Vegas September 5th through the 11th at the MGM Grand. You can go see me there. And for Jacqueline Coley, for Brian Perez, for Lucy Bruckner, for everyone here at Rotten Tomatoes, for the sweet pug, the dude who is now sleeping like a good boy, I am Mark Ellis. Thanks for tuning in to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong, and we'll see you next time. Don't look up. (laughs) 